Hey everyone, welcome to the Upscale Podcast. Uh, you're with Nathan again and my good friend Mitch. How are you, Mitch? Pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, sun is shining. Lovely day here. It is indeed, mate. Um, straight to it. Today we're here to talk about lead gen. Um, Love lead gen. It's my favourite. My favourite one because uh, most people do it really wrong. Or don't do it at all. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, I guess one of the big things that we want to talk about today is getting out there and actually putting ourselves in front of the businesses we want to work with. So many clients, people we, we speak to, uh, seem to be sitting there waiting and, and hoping that customers are going to come to them. And our experience has been that it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. It's um, kind of like the dating game. You know, you just sit there and you're waiting. You're waiting for Mrs. Wright to come along and... Um, I'm going to come along. You got to go out there and actively, you know, put the work in. You've got to go and meet some people. You've got to go to different bars, different places, get a, an array of different people in your vision and um, make that first move, you know, ask the questions, start those conversations. So really excited to talk around this one today and um, let's get going. Well, I think it all starts with a, a list. You know, I think it all starts with actually identifying who it is that we want to do business with. You know, if we're always just sitting and waiting and just accepting work that comes to us, we're not always working and doing the things that we enjoy doing, that we're good at, that are profitable. So I think, you know, for me personally, I've found that making a list of, you know, the top 50 customers that I'd like to work with, the ones that are going to change my business, they're going to light me up, that are going to bring in the money that I want to make, um, is probably a good place to start. Yeah, it's a volume game. When we talk about lead generation and outreach, it's it's volume. You know, I'm actually a big fan of not even just, you know, picking 50 clients you want to work with, but identifying firstly industries, you know, even if you don't want to work with supermarkets, even if you don't want to work with gyms, even if you don't want to work with plumbers or whatever, um, you still should have some form of outreach going there because you should be building relationships with them. And maybe you don't want to work with them and maybe they don't want to work with you, but they can tell people and it's, it's branding. So I think, yep, exactly. Starting with lists is the most important thing um, when you're doing your outreach. But firstly, identifying the industries, mm. you know, come up with 10, 50, 100, 200, whatever industries that you could actually do something with. Um, that's where I'd start with that one. Just getting those industries down and just opening your mind to actually thinking about all the different possibilities that are out there. Um, I was on a call yesterday with uh, one of our clients, actually, and he was sitting there. And as we were rolling through all the different industries he could work with, he was like, oh, my God, I didn't even think of that. And then that rolled him straight into, wait, I know people in those industries already. Mm-hmm. I've got good contacts in there. So I personally start at the industry point with your lists. Um, and you want to get, you know, you can get as many as you want, but, yep, you're not going to go and, you know, try and get all of them done in one. You might pick one or two a week and then build out, okay, who in this industry supermarkets, mm. cafes, restaurants, um, whatever, can I actually work with? So step one, we're happy with that? Yeah. Build uh, the list of the industries you could work with. 100%. And just on that, I think it's important not to spread yourself too thin. You mm. know, if you've got a 1,000 clients that you're trying to keep up with, you're probably not going to be able to service them well. So mm. really spending the time and not rushing through this process, but spending the time to clearly identify who the ideal customer is and putting those people on the list is going to make you far more efficient in the way you're going to deal with people and and the result that you get at the end. Yep. Really quickly on time. How much time do you think, uh, loaded question, how much time do you think 
business owners should be spending on lead generation each week? Look, I think it depending on the stage of business you're in and how much work you need, but I think it's something that you constantly need to be working towards. Personally, I don't like to do things in big chunks. I think we we do a little bit of something each day. It makes for more balanced um, and a lighter load. I, I think at least an hour to two hours a day uh, if you are in the early stages of business, if uh, you're not in front of your ideal customers yet, if you are in the growth and scaling phase, um, at, at least an hour a day, I'd say. Yep, yep. My rule of thumb, uh, and I always bring it back to pizza, you know, if it's just you to feed, you know, you and one other person, you can get away with ordering one, you know, family-sized pizza. But then realistically, as more people come to the party, you need to add more pizza, just like as more tradesmen or more builder resources or more staff come into business. We need to add more pizzas. And no, there's not a perfect ratio. You know, if you've got 20 people coming around, you don't need 20 pizzas. Mm -hmm. You might only need 10. Uh, but ultimately, you have to keep increasing the volume, keep increasing the amount of pizza that you've got to consume to feed the team, to feed the business. So I've actually got a bit of a number with this one. It's two hours for the first two people. So if it's you and one other uh, person in the business that needs work, needs uh, billable time slots, so it's two hours. And then for every additional staff member that you bring on that requires billable hours, um, it's another additional half an hour. That's two hours per day? No, it's actually two hours across the week wow. is, is the ratio that I've found works really nicely. But it needs to be bankrolled. It needs to roll into that. So, yeah, you might start with four to five hours when you're really starting out in business and you're at that very, very ground level stage. But ultimately, to keep that maintenance going, to keep it a really nice, clean amount of work coming in, um, for those first two people, it's two hours in total and then half an hour for every additional staff member. So if you've got five staff, we're talking around three and a half hours. Okay? I guess it's the way you spend that time as well. Yeah. You know, yep. you have to develop a formula mm -hmm. and a process that you're going to follow. There's no point in sitting in front of the computer for two and a half hours mm -hmm. and only contacting one person. Nope. If you're spending that time, you want to be efficient and making the most of it. Yep, yep. And uh, I reckon that could be one of the things we wrap up with today is what that actual structure and system could look like. Mm. All right, so we've got our lists. We've identified the amount of time that we need to take with that. Um, what are we going to do next? How are we actually going to do this? Let's talk about taking control. Oh, I like that one. So, uh, sorry, you go ahead. I just think it's it's one. It's exactly what you were talking about there. It's not taking control in the fact that, oh, I'm going to do it, but then have no actual KPIs or no things that we're going for here. There's no clear objectives or anything. There's no point doing lead gen. So I think you were alluding to it just before really, really well. I think taking control looks like just carving this out in your calendar, first of all. Yep. You know, we're going to work out who it is. We're going to identify the people that we want to be in front of. And then we're going to develop a system and procedure to go and outreach to these people. Um, outreach can look in many ways. Uh, personally, I feel that personally he feels that just that person i feel personally i feel what do i feel i just gotta uh, where am i going frozen you cut him back there you take control outreach you've got to take control So when it comes to taking control, I think the really important thing to be mindful of is that one, you want to carve out the time slots each and every week to do that. 
Now, if I've just talked around allocating, you know, if you've got a team of five, um, inclusive of you, and you need to allocate three and a half hours, then you need to make sure that every single week that time is occurring. You know, is it going to be Monday between 11 and whenever? Is it going to be Tuesday? Whatever. You just need to make it it's a systematic approach and it's always happening at, you know, a consistent level. Yep. So that's the time allocation of it. Then let's look at, okay, what is the number? What is the purpose? What are we actually going for here? Is it we're going to send out 20 emails? Is it we're going to do actual cold call walk-ins uh, to 30 businesses during that time? Is it going to be social media outreach? Is it LinkedIn outreach? What is it? And what's the number? Because if we don't hit that, how do we improve? If we don't hit that, how do we actually measure the success that we're having? If we reach out to 20 people with email and we get one long-term client out of that, is that good or is that bad? How do we measure that against if we walk into 20 businesses and we pick up three? Which one's better here? Which one takes more energy? Which one has a better return on investment? And so on. So I think taking control firstly comes down to one, establishing your actual desired path of what it is you're going to do, how much time, what are the results you're looking for, what are the metrics you're going to measure success with here? Mm, I agree. So in regards to taking control, that's that's my piece on that. You this you know what? With business, everything comes down to taking control. You can't continue to sit back in this state of business and the economy and where everything's going and just expect shit to happen. Expect to get to the level you want to get to. You have to take control. You've got to do the actions. You've got to be the one that instigates it all. Sure, things are going to come. And that's cream. That's the bonus stuff. But if you actually want to succeed, you've got to be the one that makes the moves and, and goes forward. So um, next would be outreach. And that's uh, that same form of control works in outreach. Mm-hmm. So when you're going out to, to contact your customers, you can't just send them an email and expect to get the work from that. Mm-hmm. The email gives you an invite. It's a, it's a foot in the door. But really, we want to be following up these clients within three days mm-hmm. from making that initial outreach. In this call, we really need to have some intentions around what we're trying to achieve. Now, first email goes out. It introduces ourselves, introduces the business. It's personalized, it's short, it's sharp, it's sweet. The next step is that phone call three days later. And when you're making that phone call, we really want to have the aim of booking a face-to-face catch-up. So, you know, having conversations over the phone are great. Promises can be made, but a lot of the time they, they just don't go anywhere. Someone might tell you, yeah, great, I'll give you a go next time there's a job, and then they just forget about you. You've got to set the intention when you make this follow-up call that we're going to catch up with this person. We want to go out there. We want to have a coffee with them. We want to drop them a a coffee, a cake. We want to actually meet them, shake their hand, and show them that we really value their business and we are are trustworthy, reputable people we want to do business with. Yep, love that. Love that. And when you're you're going for this meeting, if that's that's the ultimate outcome here uh, at the lead gen stage, um, you know, you're showing up and you're, crappiest clothes like is there a level of expectation here like do you want to show up as you know the person that's doing the lead gen salesperson the business owner or whoever it is or are you happy to just show up as you know just come off site and really dirty really stinky like how does that look do you want to feel authentically in situation or do you feel like you need to put a bit more energy in 100 look first impressions last especially when you meet someone face to face i think prior to this we've got to think about our digital appearance as well what do our email signatures look like? What's our grammar like? You know, these things, people judge us based on, on these things alone. So, you know, 
making sure that all this stuff is in place before we send anything out is super important. Then when we appear at site, we've got to be clean. We've got to be sharp. We've got to look the part. Uh, when you meet someone, they're going to judge you right then and there on, on your appearance. So it, it doesn't take much. It's a haircut. It's a nice, clean uniform. It's, you know, vinyl wrapping on, on your cars. It, it, look, you don't have to go that far, but as long as you look professional, you know, you've at least got half a chance with this client. Yep. So little tips, always have spare shirts in your cars or in your vans. Um, you know, just change into them, you know, do your hair, just little things, wash your face, wash your hands, trim your nails, just do the extra things that are going to make you seem more presentable than the others. Um, in regards to vinyl wrappings, big fan, obviously got to get those kind of things done. But if you're at a point in business where you can't afford that, you know, there's different companies out there that you can get your magnetic or your static uh, stickers or whatever, um, really cheap, you know, under $100, something is better than nothing. Mm. Yeah. When we're talking social media presence, just have a few photos up talking to your target audience. You know, if you really want to work with real estate or you really want to work with supermarkets or cafes or whatever, then make sure you've got a couple of photos up with a comment or two, a caption or two speaking to those people. You know, if you want to work with cafes and go and do things for cafes, whatever industry you're in, and you've only got photos of you on a tugboat, doesn't really work. You know, because if they go to your socials, they're like, yeah, don't know what this guy's doing, but it definitely isn't what we do. So have some form of presence there, initially set up. Don't overthink it. You're not sitting here trying to go um, viral. Anyone want to be influencers here? I think so. Yeah. So guys, just get something up. Um, and yeah, like Nate said, email signatures, super important. The digital stuff, the stuff that's going to happen, it does all pay off. Mm. I think it'd be really, really useful as well to put together a brochure, something that really identifies. I think one of the things you want to do before you you put this together is identify the industry. What are their pain points? Mm. You know, what is the problem that these people face? And if you can provide a solution to those in your brochure, then it's going to get you a lot further than a generic email. So if you're dealing with real estate agents, uh, you know, it's reliability, it's uh, prompt in communication. It's these kinds of things that they're not experiencing elsewhere. If you address in those brochures, will really help you convert this out. Yep. It also brings up a really important point for when you do get those initial meetings is don't walk in the door telling someone everything you do. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. Find out what their current pain points are. Find out where they're currently struggling and have those conversations around, well, what is it that you would actually like someone to be doing for you in this space? And then circle back to, well, I actually do those things. Those are all parts of our service. We have the solutions for everything that you're talking about here. And if you don't, well, what I'm actually going to do for you is I'm actually going to build out this solution so that we can actually service you better than who's already servicing. Or, you know, because everyone's re realistically got someone. Like we all know a plumber, we all know an electrician, we all know someone in some space. You know, we've already got those people. And ultimately with outreach, when you're talking about cold outreach, you're trying to get in front of someone so that not that you're at the front of the line, but so that you're just in consideration. And as the person that's currently at the front of the line, um, you know, maybe drops the ball a few times, you move your way forward a bit more. And if you're consistently showing up, which is one of the biggest parts of outreach is the consistency. Outreach doesn't just mean that you send an email once or you walk in the door once or you send an SMS once or social media outreach once. It's continual systematic approach to touching base building friendships, you know, form, forming uh, lifelong connections and relationships where you can ultimately extract maximum customer lifetime value from someone, mm. you know? 
So think around that when you're doing your outreach. It's about the consistently showing up in a manner that they see you as becoming person at the front of the line, mm-hmm. right? So outreach, how do we do it? Big thing that comes to mind for me is I, I guess a lot of people really struggle with this stuff to to begin with, you know. Mm-hmm. If um, you haven't been out there in front of clients a lot, there can be a lot of fear around actually doing it. You know, sometimes we kind of run out there, throw our pamphlet, thank you, bye, and and run away. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it My experience with this stuff is it's it's all in the experience. You know, you, you, you do something once, it, you, you might be nervous the first time, you do it again, it's a little bit better, it's a little bit better. Um, but I think you, you've just got to address that fear. It's the difference between having a success, successful business or not. Um, is, is Am I willing to put myself in front of clients? Yeah. Nate, how many times do you think you've done cold call outreach? And just quick, really quickly, when we say cold call outreach, we're not actually talking about it has to be phone call. Cold call outreach simply just means cold outreach. All yeah. right. How many times do you think you've done it? In total? Yep. Millions. Okay, just want to just check in here. Nate, are you missing any limbs? No, still here. Awesome. Yeah. So technically nothing terrible has ever happened to you from cold call outreach. Only inside me, nothing externally. <laughs> yep, Matt, we, I can't fix the internal stuff on this call today. But um, we, we all think this. We, we, we sit there in so much fear. Fear is just false evidence appearing real. We sit there in fear and we get trapped. We get trapped around like what might happen. Oh, my God, what is the negative that might happen here? We've got to remove that. Mm. What's the positive? You know, we were in a call on Monday and we were talking to one of our clients who last week sent out, sounds like a huge amount, was 180 emails to real estates in his serviceable area. And he got, it was eight, mm. eight new real estates that had already sent him, it was on average around about 10 work orders each in the space of a week. One email. One email that he sent out. And um, I remember sitting there and he said it, he said, I've got to learn to trust the process more. You know, I was sitting there in fear. I was sitting there looking for perfection. Mm. I was sitting there looking at, okay, I need to send this perfect email that's going to, you know, I don't know what he was thinking it was going to do, but he sat there for fear for months. Mm -hmm. And then he finally sent it. And, you know, within that week, eight new real estates on board, 10 work orders on average coming from each one. It just gets to this point where you just have these aha moments and you're like, man, this this shit isn't actually that hard. Mm. You know, you just got to take that action. The, the fear causes pro- procrastination. Mm. It makes you sit on your hands. It stops you from getting to where you need to be. Yep. You know, you you can have all the intentions of the world of doing this stuff. You can put together all your flyers and all that kind of stuff. But if you're not willing to face the fear and just go through the process, then you won't get anywhere. Yep. And, it, and it just gets easier with time. You know, over my career as a salesperson, there's never been a time where I walked into a job and got on that phone and was super confident from the first call. You know, the first one, you always fumble it, you get it wrong, you feel a bit weird and you just do it again. And the next time it's a little bit better, it's a little bit better. And before you know it, you know, you're absolutely nailing it. I think one of the important things to remember is everybody's the same. You know, no salesperson out there or or business owner doesn't feel these things. The ones that succeed are the ones that are just willing to do the action, what it takes to, to get the result. Um. So I think one thing to remember as well is just people buy from people. You don't have to be a salesperson. In fact, you don't want to sound like a salesperson. You're just a good guy who has a good product and is willing to have a chat and help someone out. I think if you're thinking about money too much, if you're thinking about the end result, 
then it comes off as uh, as needy and salesy. I think if you just think about helping the person, you know, what is this person's problem? How can I provide a solution? And how can I just be a human in this interaction? Then you, you've, you've already won. Yep. I think one of the biggest lessons I learned um, was the excitement of no's, you know, the excitement of rejection. And I know this sounds really um, like counterintuitive and backwards, but with every no, there are actually positives that come from that. You know, if you get a no because of a certain reason, it's okay, a great space for you and your business to evolve and to become better than you currently are. You know, even with no's in different spaces, as long as you get enough information, you can start retargeting people, you can build audiences out of that. There's so much that you can still do from a no. You know, there's so much learning that comes from that. And I think that's something that we all have to learn is like, what's the worst thing that can happen when we do outreach? And the worst thing that can happen is just you get a no. There is nothing more. Yeah. As as we as we checked with Nathan, like he's not, you know, no one's gonna lose a limb. Yeah. No one's gonna, you know. You know, nothing's going to go belly up because you asked a question. Mm-hmm. Yep. All that you might get is some really uh, insightful understandings and information around what you could actually do moving forward to get some more yeses. Mm. Yep. So every, I think, every no is a is a, a step closer to a yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Every no is a step closer to a yes. I like that. It's really deep. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about the outreach. How we do it. Nice and simple. You can send out some emails. You can do some actual phone calls. You can do some social media. You know, keep it really simple. Keep it personable. Um, initial outreach is going for some form of meeting or something that's face to face. And volume. You know, the more the merrier. Yep, they have to be purposeful in the volume. You know, if you don't want to work with builders, then don't reach out to builders. Um, but you know, establishing that avatar and understanding who you want to work with and reaching out to them and just turning that dial up. You know, if you're struggling for work and struggling to fill the schedules, then just do more outreach. Mm. You know, that's why I love outreach. It's just something that you turn the dial up. Remember those old TVs where you actually had to get up and turn the volume up? Yeah. Yep. So you always just turn it up that little bit more than you actually knew you needed to because you didn't want to get up again to turn it up again. Same thing here, you know, always try and put a little bit more volume on than you really need here because you can always turn it down again if you need all right, so that's kind of the outreach space. What does successful look like in this? You know, if you're in a point right now where you have all the work you need, do you think you need to be still doing outreach? I think so. You know, I, I think you've got to really have a contingency for, you know, we, we lose customers, things change, markets change. Do we want to continue to grow? Mm. Can we always sustain how we are? I think sales is just a, a natural thing that's got to continuously happen in a business. Um, not only that, to improve the type of work that we're doing. You know, we may be busy enough, but are we doing the work that we love? Is it profitable? Could yeah. we be doing something better? Um, and I think, you know, if if you if your hopes are to put more people on, if you are to to move forward to to scale and grow, then you've just got to constantly be working at this process. Stopping means that eventually the work will dry up. If yeah. you're not constantly working towards this stuff, um, you will find yourself on that hamster wheel. Yeah. There's always someone out there that is willing to do, you know, the work that you're not currently right now. And if you stop with outreach, even though you might feel like you're busy right now, openly, if you're not, if you're not growing, you die. Yep. So if your business isn't moving forward in some direction and growth doesn't always mean that it's uh, making more revenue or it's making more profit. It just means if your business isn't moving in a forward direction, 
um, then ultimately you're going backwards. You know, business doesn't sit still. You've got inflation. You've got things that erode away at your business. You've got outside external competitors and so on that are always sitting there um, trying to take your piece of the pie. Mm. So if you're not moving forward, you're actually going to come to a point where you have a realization, oh my God, I'm actually not what I thought I was. So I definitely agree with you. I think that outreach is something and lead generation is something that we always in business have to be putting some time into. And it's also, it's one of those things where it's why wouldn't you want to grow? If you've got the systems in play and things are running really nice and structured, if you haven't got, if you've got those systems in play, then what's the harm in growing a little bit more? What's the harm in putting on another staff member? What's the harm in doing all these things? And to feed that beast, you need more pizza, need more leads coming in. You can always say no. You can. And you can also always change. You know, we've all got those kind of start, those clients right now that we do work for, but we're not happy doing it for them. Like you said, we don't make the money that we wanted. We find it really exhausting. They always want more and more information. They always want you to do more and more and go above and beyond. And yet there could be clients sitting out there right now that are only a phone call, an email, a social media outreach away from being your perfect client that pay you on time every time, that pay you the current market value or your own established value that you're worth. You know, they understand you. They get you. Yep. So I think that's the important thing here as well is that if you're sitting there right now going, you know what, I don't need any more work. I don't need any more leads. Well, the question is, are you making the profits that you could be? You're making, is the life the one the one that you want? You know, have you got it exactly as you want? And if the answer to that is yes, then sure. Keep your clients and keep everything the way it is. And you know what? Ultimately, you're going to go down. Mm. You know, this process keep- takes a while. You know, if, if something happens, if you lose a key client, if, if if something goes wrong, then this process could be two or three months to land another big customer. Yep. You need to be having that conversation constantly. So there's these relationships forming and building all the time. Yeah. I remember talking with um, a client at the start of his journey and he was 100% getting all of his revenue from one source. Mm. And we talked about how dangerous that was. You know, he wasn't making wasn't making bad money off them. He was making, you know, comfortable net profit margins, but he could have been making a lot better. And we talked around it and we established a few ideas and, you know, we're now a couple of months on and he's got that to like an 80, 20% mix. You know, my personal rule of thumb there is that I don't like anyone holding more than 20% of your revenue value, Mm. you know? So have a think about that. If you've currently got clients that are bringing you in more than 20% of your total revenue, it puts you in a vulnerable state. And that's ultimately what good lead gen and good outreach does is it makes you in control of how the business is moving forward on a revenue base, but also puts that security in your back pocket of going, I can lose X or I can lose Y. And I know that other people are going to come into the um, the fold of being new clients. Yeah. You can never be held hostage. You know, if someone in these situations tend to dictate pricing, these kinds of things to us as well. So if, if things ever change, you know, you can always go, okay, this is not for me anymore. I don't have to do this. I've got plenty of choices on in, in work out there. Love it. Love it. All right. So a bit of a summary around today's session. If you aren't doing any outreach right now, and you know what, most of you aren't, or you're, you're doing really small amounts. If we're to summarize this, I think step one is going to be uh, realistically look at it and go, okay, how much time do I need to put into this? Yep. What am I looking to do here? So if we want to break that down, let's say we're going to spend two hours every single week on a Wednesday between 11 and 1, yep, doing outreach. Yep, we're going to send 20 emails. We're going to do 10 social media comments or social media DM uh, 
conversations. Yep. Then if we look at it and go, okay, but hang on a second, I don't actually know which ones I want to work with. All right, then great. We're going to establish that you're going to work with three industries and you're going to reach out to them this week. Might be uh, blinds and shutter companies. It might be restaurants and it might also be plumbers. Okay, so you've established the three that you want to target. You've established the rhythm. Going to do it on Wednesday between 11 and 1 this week. Um, and I'm also going to send 20 emails and do 10 social media outreach processes. Okay, then if we look at it and go, what's the next part of it? It's that can't just be a one-off. Yep, that's got to flow through next week. And yep, you might have heard back from three of those people that you reached out to last week. Do you know what you're going to do again? And reach out to those same people again. Yep, so that list of 20 people that you had now becomes 40 because you've got 20 this week and 20 next week. You've got to just keep on reaching out to them. Mm. Yep. Do you reckon that's a nice, easy, simple structure to follow if we're not trying to overcomplicate this? Pretty simple, pretty yep. straightforward. Yeah, I agree. I like it. All right, guys, that's it from us today. Hope you uh, enjoyed the listen. And uh, Nate, thanks as always. Thanks, man.